Hey, oh, Steve, my you think it'd be nice to me one night tonight or one time tonight? Or <laughs> gonna, we got to do an outtake session where Steve just shitting all the people. Steve's a piece of shit. <laughs> Two on one, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Steven Bautista. Bad boy, good boy. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast special combine edition. I'm Steven Bautista. With us today, the normal crew, the commish, Tommy Molio, and everybody's best friend, Dominic Rickard. So with the combine having just ending last week, we thought it'd be cool to put together a quick podcast to go over some of our thoughts on this year's prospects. Obviously, the first thing that comes to mind when you think back to the combine is Kyler Murray's hand size, right? Or whether or not DK, uh, DK Metcalf was, uh, created in some kind of lab in Russia or something. Um, but Tommy, with all kidding aside, I know you've been di- uh, diving deep in this year's draft uh, for the podcast. So what were your first impressions uh, of last week's combine? Oh, uh, first impression, uh, DK Metcalf is a cyborg, right? Yeah. Like, uh, that guy's a freak athlete. Uh, we all saw the pictures of him uh, in the offseason with his 1.6% body fat. And I think, yeah, the guy is legit. He's super talented. He's super fast. He's super big. And, you know, after that, it kind of was a little bit underwhelming, to be honest, with uh, the rest of the uh, the prospects at the Combine. But uh, I, I think there's some diamonds in the rough in, in this in this draft class. But overall, it just, you know, compared to some other Combines where we were getting guys like, you know, a, lo- a decent amount of people in the low 4440s or, you know, sub 43, you know, 40s. Just overall, I was I was a little underwhelmed, but I think general managers have their work cut out for them, you know, to find the right guys to fit their team. But I think they're there. You just got to go get them. Dominic, what do you think, bud? I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but I watched a lot of recaps and did a lot of research on on the times and everything. Uh, kind of overall impression, I was looking for that Saquon Barkley Zeke Elliott running back and. I thought Bryce Love was going to be that this year. And, you know, he kind of fell off towards the end of the season with some injuries. And, you know, got two Alabama running backs out there that are predicted to go pretty high. But I don't, I don't see that. I got to get that number one fantasy running back who's going to be a rookie and he's going to produce right away for me, like Barkley did for you, Steve. And, uh, that was kind of my overall impression of the draft, kind of like Tommy said, a little, not a little underwhelming. Uh, I mean, but it definitely didn't have that, that, you know, for surefire number one running back. But again, David Johnson, I think, t- was taken in the second or third round, and he wasn't predicted to be as good as he was that first year. So hopefully he's uh, he's out there. We just couldn't see him. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I think I think my overall impressions is um, I was pretty surprised at you know, some of the times that everyone's doing and, and some of the uh, the measurables that people had and, and all, you know, with the broad drums and all that. And I think what's happening is the combine is almost becoming specialized now. And I, I yeah. think I think that's why we're seeing so many good numbers now because these kids, you know, stop in college, after, you know, after their season. Some of them don't even stay in school anymore, and they just go strictly to training for the combine because they know, you know, it's important to get that buzz. It may not be everything because obviously the tape matters, but they know that if they can come out and you know run a, a four four one like Montez Sweat did, that you know all of a sudden you know you go from maybe mid mid first round to now a top ten pick. You know what I mean? So. I think it's just some someone 
was kidding about it, saying like it's like an Olympic trial or something like that. But and I think it does have, serve its purpose. And uh, you know, on on that note, you know, I wanted to start with you, Tommy, on this. Like, what what does combine mean to you? What do you think? What do you, what do you think it means to to the players and and to the teams and stuff like that? Well, and real quick, going back to like what you were saying, I think what I meant to say in the beginning too was like there's a lot of people that were like grouped together, you know, a lot of the guys kind of running in the pack and there was very few people that really stood out, you know, and like I said, there's a couple, but not a ton, but, but, you know, for me, I mean, I think the combine really is an opportunity to showcase a player's raw talent uh, that can't be measured, but it doesn't necessarily translate to overall production on the field. And I think that's going to really ring true with like some of these running backs where they didn't put up huge, you know, or actually really fast 40 yard dash times, but on tape, they look great. And on tape, you can see them break away. So, you know, I think it's really, uh, it's really a platform to, to showcase the tangibles. But I think the tape, you know, and what they put on tape shows more. Or, you know, like Maurice Jones Drew said at the combine, it, it shows NFL teams what a player they'd like might need to work on to get better. You know, if they need to get a little bit faster or a little bit quicker or work on their hands a little bit better. You know, you, you evaluate your player and make your decision based on the tape and what you've seen all year, the last two years, but you can use the combine as, as a platform, as a baseline to, to get better and improve somebody, you know, I don't know. What do you guys think? So, yeah, one thing I look for, look forward to for the combine the last couple of years is actually, uh, Lewis Riddick's breakdown in, in of player personnel. Yeah. I, at first, I didn't know if I really liked him, but he's grown on me so much and he's my favorite analyst on ESPN now. I mean, I really value what he has to say. He was a player, then he was in the front office recruiting players, and now he's an analyst, and I think he breaks it down the most realistic out of everyone. And I really look forward to his... And that's kind of surprised me this year. I mean, I, I used to look forward to Mike Mayox, but shout out to him, because now he's a, a, a radio. I mean, what do you look forward to, Tommy? Did I miss Mike Mayock? I, I mean, I know he's on the Raiders, so I'm happy about that, but I miss seeing Mike Mayock do his... Uh, his uh, bets about, you know, players and, and just who he finds. He's so good at that. And, um, and again, I'm so glad the Raiders picked him up. Uh, I think he's a perfect, not necessarily full round GM, but evaluation of player talent. I think there's no one better, but, um, if someone else that I wanted to get that GM position for the Raiders, if it wasn't like me, it would be Lewis Riddick. So I'm right there with you. Both those guys are amazing. Yeah, guys. And I also think that I feel like the combine is basically a job interview for these guys. It's yeah. going to show a team that you prepared for the biggest interview of your life, basically. Um, and I think one of the most important aspects of the combine, not necessarily is on the field, but the interviews. And I know we don't get access to that, which kind of sucks. But I think those like 15 minutes, whatever uh, a team has with a player, I think that's important, important because, you know, first impressions are, are everything. And if you give a team a good vibe, if, you know, they ask you some quick questions, if you make a good impression on them, they're going to remember that on draft day. And, you know, you never know. There may be the difference between you and another player on the field is very not, is not much. But when they think back to the interviews, they remember, yeah. hey, you know what? That guy was pretty good, man. So let's go with him. So, I mean, that's, and that's what I think is important. Speaking of that interview, like, look at it from a player. I mean, we all play, and every player that plays dreams about getting drafted. But think about how surreal of an experience that is. You're basically getting, you know, strutted around like, cattle to as an interview to show off your skills and your smarts your abilities and then like every time i think about it like think about this saying this to yourself i just ran a 4.5 and probably cost myself two million dollars for those higher level guys like Insane. you know if, if i would have put a 4.4 or 
I, I might be making 10 more. Like, can you imagine the, the stress and the, the craziness and the testosterone that's flying around? That's, that's what I, I think the Columbine, the col- Columbine, the Combine is all about. <laughs> Whoa. Make sure you cut that out, Tommy. <laughs> now, <laughs> well, to your point, Dominic, which is a great point is you saw a lot of players this, this last weekend, you know, breaking down in tears, calling family members and stuff after yep. they made a good time. You know, I think it was, uh, um, one of the linebackers, Bush and also DK Metcalf, you know, after they ran really good 40s, they just knew, hey, man, I just got locked into like a top 10 pick. So that's millions for my family. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm who down was with it? That. Uh, the cornerback for LSU, Greedy Williams, yeah. best name for a cornerback, but he best ran name. his 40. He did a 4.37, and then he's shut he's like, all his other I'm workouts done. down. He's cramping up. He's like, that's all I needed to do. I posted yeah. that time. They know my skill for my, I don't hey. need to work out anymore and get judged on more things. It was smart by him. Yeah, and then and then the flip of that, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, they had Mac, was it Mac Wilson? Yeah, they had Mac Wilson from Alabama uh, in an interview, uh, not the ones with the teams, but the ones with the reporters, you know, and he's talking about his social media game and, and how play, uh, a lot of teams were asking him about why he's so active on social media, why is he so flashy on social media, and he had a great response. He's like, hey, I came from nothing. So going to Alabama and getting a little bit of money to do something and saving up money to like buy something really nice, I'm going to take a picture of it and I really like it. You know, he handled it well. And then the other one I heard about was Ja'Kai Polite from the DN from Florida. And they were asking, uh, someone was asking him about, um, how he looks on tape and like, oh, like, do you evaluate that? Or, you know, when you watch yourself on tape, what do you think? And, and he looks at the guy and goes, Oh, I, I've like never watched myself on tape. You know, like who says that? Like, why, why answer, would right? you say that? Yeah. yeah you terrible. know, like, um, even whoever true, prepped you. Right. Whoever, and, staring and at it's staring contest. Me, you go. Yeah. I know. I heard about that one too. <laughs> so, uh, I like that one. What did you guys or who, what, what group of uh, players impress you the most or position, excuse me, uh, impress you the most in the combine? Before we jump into that, just one more quick observation. And you made a joke about it, Steve. The, the, Damn it! The I thing keep asking that, questions, and then it gets no. The thing that the thing that kind of blows my mind is, uh, like, and you're kind of a historian, so you might know when this started becoming relevant. But I don't remember like five years ago, quarterback hand size being important. Like I always knew they talked uh, about Drew Bledsoe having. Uh, it's big been hands, important forever, but I don't remember them measuring it and comparing it. And I think it's because we have so many short quarterbacks now and we've yep. had some successful ones yep. that they're making but I feel like that's the most important stat for a quarterback now. They said that uh, and it's been proven they did a study it was like anybody any quarterback that had hand size um, smaller than nine and a half uh, was it 9.5 inches um, was prone to fumbling a lot more like a, a significant yeah. amount more um, so that's why it's so big and I think like to your point what you just said is the reason it's more of a thing right now is because of the Russell Wilson's, the Baker Mayfield's, the maybe the Drew Breeses, you know, the guys under six foot or around there, you know, they're more, there's more of them now and they're proven that they can play in the league. So I think, we're, I think it's going to be a recurring issue. Like I saw, um, today Alabama does like a junior future senior pro day or something like that. And Tua was getting measured and they measured him and he was like six foot. His hand size was like over 10 inches already because they're really nice. open about it. So. So they were just trying to get that already out there. So, hey, no, he's he has a measurables already. So I think it's going to be a more uh, common issue and, and a recurring thing for, for the to combine. Hashtag take for two. Yeah. <laughs> so which uh, which group impressed you guys the most? You know, I really like the, uh, the O-linemen, uh, 
the D linemen and the receivers. And I think the D linemen and the receivers are, are really obvious. You know, I think a lot of people uh, have seen the depth that's in this D lineman and wide receiver class. Uh, I think a lot of these guys are, are just ridiculous and are going to make huge impacts on teams. But, but the O lineman, I mean, you know, and that's one of the ways that I was reading that they actually measure like the success of a draft class, you know, and how good it's going to be coming in as far as prospect wise is like how many offensive tackles that are, are big time names that are, are in the class. But, you know, this class does actually doesn't have a lot of, of offense alignment. So the ones that, um, I think are, are top tier talent, you know, like Jonah Williams, uh, Jawan Taylor, um, even like Cody Ford, you know, some of these guys, they, they showed up really well. They had really good workouts on the field. Uh, none of them put up really like huge numbers in the bench or any other measurables, you know, for running. Cause it's not that important for an O lineman. But, uh, one thing I got to watch was the drills where the O lineman were, were do their kick steps, you know, and simulating a pass rusher on the edge and, you know, watching some guys like Jonah Williams, they're just so smooth and so polished. So I think, you know, there, this O line class is actually going to play a really big factor in this draft. Because there's a lot of teams that really need offensive alignment help. And I've always touted is to be success, successful in the NFL, you need to start in the trenches and you need to get an O lineman, a solid offensive line to protect your quarterback and open up run lanes. And I think the O lineman in this class, even though there's not a lot of them, I think they're really good. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you fully on the D line. I think that was the most impressive position. <laughs> I mean, you guys both played O line. Have you seen? The dude from Houston, uh, Ed Oliver, and I, I'm, I know for a fact you've seen the, the dude from Alabama. Is it Quinnen Williams? Quinn Williams, both yeah. D tackles. Who, yeah, who would you draft first? I mean, Quinnen Williams, I think, is the higher prospect, but I mean, they're both beasts. Uh, the Ed Oliver guy, he reminds me of like I know you hate comparing them to players, but that's the only thing we have to go for. He's half Warren Sapp, half Vince Wilford. Like he has the best of both of them, like the yeah. speed and the and the size. And, but I'm taking Quinn, Quinn and it depends on what defense I run. If I run a three, four, I'm taking Quinn and cause he's, he's the quintessential nose guard in the three, four. And I think Ed Oliver is a little, little more versatile. So he can run a four, three or a three, four, but that was my favorite position. I think Steve, uh, who is your least favorite position? My least, uh, the position I thought was the worst was probably the running backs. And only because I think we've kind of been spoiled the last couple of years with having like that one elite guy, you know, or, Maybe two, you know, last year we had, uh, Saquon, um, then we had a Zeke and then, you know, we had Gurley, which kind of was a question mark, but every year we seem to have like one running back that was like really exciting. And I just feel it's just a bunch of guys this year. And I'm not saying that they're not bad, that, you know, they're not good or, or bad. It's just no one is just really stepped out. You know, Josh Jacobs, I think is the one that everyone, um, you know, is surefire first rounder probably. Um, but he didn't do anything at the combine. So, you know, what does that say about him? I think he just, right. I don't think any of the guys that did, that went to the combine didn't do anything to kind of stand out. Yeah. In which, so I guess to Jacob's point, like it would have been nice to see him go there and maybe show like, Hey, I am the number one and maybe get into the teens. Um, but with him not going, I think, you know, still first round, but I think it's late first round pick, but yeah, running groups was kind of disappointing. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. Uh, real quick to go back to, uh, Dom's question about, uh, Quinton Williams or Ed Oliver. Uh, once Quinton Williams ran that 4830, yes. uh, I'm yes. gonna go Quinton Williams because I'm all the way. That's so fast for a D tackle. I mean, it's not as fast. Uh, I think Aaron Donald put up 
like something like the four sixes, I believe. Um, but still, that guy's ridiculous. And, he and what destroyed a Oklahoma by himself. By in, himself. That, in that goal, and, and then he played he was, lights out against Clemson. Like yeah. the best player. He was the, the eyeball. He was the eyeball. The be- the strongest. Man. He looked like a man amongst boys, like Leonard yeah. Fournette did in his freshman year. Like by far the best looking college player this year. Yeah. And then against LSU, it was like, I mean, there's so many games on tape where he's just almost unblockable. So, um, so yeah, to go back to, to the running backs, I mean, I, I think you're right, Steve. I think we've been spoiled. Um, and, and then there's guys like, you know, that were not really sleepers at all, but guys that were, um, were hoping to get a lot more from, you know, that did really good in college, like David Montgomery from Iowa State and then Elijah Holyfield, uh, from Georgia. Uh, shout out to uh, his dad, uh, Evander Holyfield. So, <laughs> you know, you're even hoping, too. Yeah, you know, you were kind of hoping they're going to do more, but, you know, Montgomery put up like a 4.63.40 and Elijah Holy, Holyfield was at like 4.78. Yeah, dude. And, that's and like, then the military 4.66, you can't. That's like almost like a yeah. death wish for running back, dude. Right. For, so, for, you know, for running backs that are like, I don't know, 4.5 is kind of like your top where you want to see it for a running back. It was just yeah. really like scary, actually, to see this many running backs. Um, you know, post the numbers they did, but the other weird thing is on average, if you average the top 10 running backs, uh, their average 40 yard dash was 447. So, you know, not, not, not that bad. Yeah. You know, but that's also the top 10 and the average right. the top 10. So yeah, I, I, I think you can find some guys that may just turn it on on the field and they're gamers and will be like a third, fourth round pick. And, you know, in like a year or two, we're going to be like, Oh, where did this guy come from? You know, but you just got lost in the combine and, and you know, bad numbers. So, no, I agree that there's a lot. I think this draft is going to be more of like a depth draft, meaning there's going to be a lot of players available that are pretty much at the same level, good players, but they're just, there's not that like a lot of elite. I think the one position that has the most depth of talent um, would be the defensive line. And I think you guys all agree. Yeah. I mean, look, look, look at these names, dude. I think these five players could go in the top 10. It's like Nick Boza, Quinnen Williams, Josh Allen, which we haven't talked about really, the defensive mm-hmm. end from Kentucky, Montez Sweat, uh, who ran a 4-4-1, and Rashawn Gary, who had a great combine too from Michigan. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, that, I, I don't remember a, a draft class with this many good D linemen. And I know I so many of their you, names, you know, just doing research, like so many of these guys' names stand out. Brian Burns from Florida State, uh, Jerry Tillery from, things from Notre Dame. Like, there's just so many guys that are going to be insane on the defense. So, I don't um, think you named one of the three Clemson D linemen either. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lawrence yeah. being the best of them. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Bro, that's how deep this class is. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> so that's why everyone wants to trade down in the draft. You know yeah. what I mean? Right now, because they're like, yeah, I could get a Nick Boza or a Josh Allen or Quinn Williams, but why not draft, uh, you know, trade back, get another extra pick. Now I can get two of those D linemen that are, you know, kind of comparable to those players. So, and you never know, you can hit on one too. Yeah. I think you touched on it a little bit, but my dark horse on at the D tackle is Derek Brown from Auburn. The dude was always around the ball and I would be very happy if the Raiders picked him up in the, the later of the first round. You guys want to go into who surprised you the most in their workouts, or yeah, you want to start it off, Tommy? Well, I mean, yeah, and I think you know, Steve, you already mentioned Montez Sweat with that four four one forty. Um, that is just ridiculous. That's that was faster than almost all of the receivers, you know, besides like the top five or ten. Um, 
and so yeah, that guy's insane, and I think he's going to make uh, some defense coordinators super happy on the right team. But I, the other forty-yard dash time that surprised me the most that went with a guy that's had a huge production in college, uh, Andy Isabella uh, from yeah. UMass. You know, put up a forty of four three one seconds. That's insane. Um, you know, and, and his stats from twenty eighteen, which led him to be a Bolitnikov Award finalist. Uh, sound like someone that should be way higher on people's uh, radars than he is, and I think it's because his height. And I don't what's know, his height? Uh, Was he five ten or something like that? Five nine? Yeah, he's okay. So official official weight uh, height weight five nine one eighty eight. Yeah, with just under thirty tiny. inch wingspan. It's tiny. It's a little white kid from UMass. You know, playing in the MAC. But the kid put up huge numbers and he's blazing fast. And look at Edelman, look at Cole Beasley, and he's right. faster than those guys. Exactly. You know what I, mean? you know, I like him. Yeah. So it's 2018 stats, right? 102 sure. catches, which was second uh, for in the NCAA. Uh, 1,698 yards, which was first in the NCAA. 13 touchdowns, which was tied for fifth, with an average of 16.6 yards per catch. That's I mean, those man. are great numbers. And I mean, a good senior bowl, too. Yeah, and and you know, put him in a body that's six one and playing in the SEC, and he's uh, a top first round receiver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, easy first round pick. But like, so I guess the question I have, Steve, is like, like you were saying, Julian Edelman, uh, Cooper Cup, all all these guys that we know are good, right? They're proven, but they weren't high draft picks, right? Is is Andy Isabella finally going to break that mold and get into like maybe the top two rounds? Definitely not the top, the first round, but like maybe the top two where I would I think Cooper Cup was the third round pick, maybe. Yeah, I think third round for sure. I think he, I don't think he'll make it out of the third round. Maybe if a team like falls in love with them and it's like they feel like that's our missing piece, you know, like yeah. we just need that player and that's going to make us a Super Bowl contender. You could see like a late, you know, second round pick, but. Man, to invest on a, that much on a five nine, one hundred eighty pound wide receiver, like ugh, it's going to take a, a GM with some uh, cojones to do to pull that one off. Yeah, and I could see the Rams doing it again. You know, yeah, possibly. All right, guys, now let's jump into some fantasy football talk. Fantasy, fantasy. All right, Dom, I'll start with you, man. So, which rookie out of this two thousand nineteen class um, would you pick? For the first a dynasty format, um, where you would obviously keep this player for forever, um, or uh, a redraft player where you would only have him for next season. Uh, next season, I mean, the obvious answer is Kyle Murray. I mean, he's the mo- most effective fantasy position is quarterback. He has the biggest chance to start if they get rid of Rosen and draft the number one. So that that's my for sure next year. I mean, it might even be in the dynasty too, but uh, I do like Haskins too. I think if he goes to a decent team and and maybe sits for four or six games and then comes in, he he finishes up with good season. What about you, Tommy? I I'd agree with you on the Kyler Murray, especially for redraft. Um, only you know difference being just like I would be willing to risk it on him for one year, you know, and see what happens, and then if if you know, he had a really good season and, you know, maybe take a chance again. Um, but I wouldn't pick him for dynasty just cause I'm not exactly sure what he's going to do versus the player I would pick for dynasty to keep essentially forever, uh, would be and kill Harry from the wide receiver from ASU. I, I think that guy has huge potential. I think he's a huge receiver, frankly. Um, not as fast as DK, but plays really similarly. And I think he'll end up on a really good team, maybe like the Colts. That's going to use him really well. 
and uh, could be a really good compliment to another number one receiver right now. And then eventually turn into a number one his, uh, in his own right. And, you know, if not next year, the year after. What about you, Steve? Um, I'm going to go with over DK. You would take I would, him over DK? I would take him over DK only because I don't know if DK is such a flash in the pan type player right now. Like Bro, Kevin White did style. You see, did yeah. you, did you, have you yeah. watched his highlights? Did you see his touchdown yeah. against Alabama two years oh, ago? He's, my num- game? he's absolutely my number one receiver in this draft class. You see him I, in the three cone drill? Even, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> but even before he's the got, he's got I, the size. He's like six three, six four, and just the weight, and he, he can. He's got the speed too. He ran like a four three. Anyway, I, I, both are great. No, Don't get me wrong. We're, we're splitting hairs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I I think DK is like I said, is definitely my wide receiver one of this draft. Dude, drift King, bro. Amazing. That's what DK stands for. I looked it up. <laughs> DK. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think, uh, I just think, and kill Harry is like. Yeah, he's more like an AJ Green. Like he's, I don't know. He's he's not. He beasted in college. Man. He was pretty he good. Beasted in college. Yeah. He plays well. He plays more like a fully polished receiver with a more complete route tree. Whereas I feel like DK is more of like your uh, your Megatron type. You know, just yeah, big and run deep and catch it. At the same time, with DK, you don't have to. Ever. Yeah, you don't have to run routes that well when you can run a four three. Yeah. And you're that big, you know what I mean? Like it, you don't have to be as a precision, uh, Mike Evans, um, you know, router as like or like like an Andy Isabella who like this fool better run his route tree excellent and be a great yeah. route runner because he needs that in order to get that separation um, for sure. But going back to the the question about the uh, the dynasty and the redraft, I think for me, in my experience with fantasy, I think the only position that you can really count on uh, for redraft would be the running back position. So I'd go with Josh Jacobs. Um, knowing that he'll probably get drafted in the first round and go to a pretty decent team because he'll probably be at the end of the first round. So I'd probably take him on both the dynasty and uh, redraft. I like I like him. I like him a lot, and I think he's going to do pretty good. See, that's my point with Enkil Harry, too. I think DK is going to go to a worse team, could be a higher draft pick, and I think Enkil Harry is going to drop a little bit to mid to late first round and get on a, just a better team that's maybe yeah. a better fit for him. And, and I think to that point, you're exactly right. I think that these guys could be all the talent in the world, but how much, how many times do we hear about talent wasted because they go to a bad team? You know, yeah. I think a lot of it's going to be with these guys is, you know, they're all talented. They're all going to play in the NFL, but it's the opportunity they're going to get, the coaching staff, the scheme, the style. Is it going to work for them? You know, hopefully the coaches that draft them have a plan for them and can make them work because, you know, we've seen a lot of players go into a place that like they just don't fit, you know, a square, yeah. uh, a square uh, peg in a round hole. So, you know, I think that comes into it a lot, and it's hard for us to kind of. So it sounds these like guys. it sounds like both of you guys are anti Al Davis GM mindset. Is what you're telling me. <laughs> We've been burned too much. In your yeah, system, yeah. just don't go get the biggest, fastest guys out there. Yeah, exactly. Did you see that meme on uh, on Twitter where they where uh, they said uh, as soon as DK Metcalf ran that four three three. It was a it was a oh, yeah. video of the Undertaker like coming out from the grave and they're saying that <laughs> this. <laughs> that was awesome. He's big and fast. Draft him now. That's crazy, man. So uh, kind of along the same thing, um, I'll ask you guys this question: Which player out of this class do you think makes the most impact on a team in 2019? And obviously, we don't know where they're going yet, so it's kind of hard. But based on what you're seeing on tape and what you saw at the combine. Well, I mean, I'm looking at this from a fantasy perspective, right? Because 
that's what we, we are a fantasy podcast. <laughs> and so it's, it's almost the same answer for me. It's going to be Haskins or Murray, the two top rated quarterbacks are going to have a chance to play the quickest. Uh, I don't want to get into a long debate on this, but I have to bring it up when I'm talking about Haskins. He's almost like to me, the opposite of, of Tua. And the thing that I want to talk about, I just quickly ask you guys, do you think it's fair that because Haskins redshirted, played in less games than Tua because he didn't play at all last year, Tua at least played in the national championship game, and then they both had one full year, just because Haskins redshirted and sat around for a year, got there a year earlier, Tua has the same experience playing in the SEC, but he can't come out right now for the draft where he would be the number one overall pick. Do you guys think that's fair? I think it's fair because this is the rules that have been around since the beginning, three years, and and you go into the league. I mean, you know, it's it, you know, I don't think Tua is going to complain very much about being on national TV every Sunday or excuse me Saturday. So, I mean, I know Haskins is the same thing, but I mean, these are the rules that are in place. Uh, but you saw think- what happened with Liner and Barkley. It's not not the same thing because they they chose to came back, but they hurt themselves financially. My, my argument is you should never, they should not be able to get it between a player and his money. And if he can make it to the NFL in one year, that should be it. And I, again, I don't want to get into debate, so I respect no, no. your answer, but go ahead. No, I nah, think that's I, a good point, though, Dom. I, I mean, it, it's a business, you know, and, and in a lot of ways, the NCAA is standing in the way uh, of players getting their money. Um, but Haskins I, I think, waited three years, though, right? Well, and, and Haskins not yep. playing a year, I mean, only playing one year, I think, is a little bit of a detriment, you know. Right. Um, but also could be a plus because, like you're saying too, with Mark Sanchez and Barkley, well, Mark less Sanchez, film. right? There's more film. There's more opportunity to mess up. And and you know, God willing, Tua has another great year, but he could not. You know, and I think there's been a lot of situations where the quarterback came back uh, for another year and 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 didn't do as well, so and hurt his draft stock. But I don't know. I th- I think Dwayne. Um, Dwayne Hill, also from a quarterback position, had a lot more competition personally uh, than than Tua's had um, uh, in Alabama. I mean, I know uh, no Jalen Richards. I thought Jalen Hurts. You're talking about the Jaylen other quarterback oh, yeah. for Ohio State, Oklahoma now. Yeah, you know, and yeah, so no offense, to, you know, Jalen Hurts. Oh, he went to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, he transferred. Did, so when did so they, they got they break that news? It was a while ago, bro. So Jeez, they got freaking uh, Baker. Kyler Murray and now Jalen Hurts. Here's my thing though with uh, Tua, and like I, I think he's talented, and I, I know you guys are all about Tua, but I'm still not sold on an Alabama quarterback, man. And just because of the talent that they have around him is like yeah. insane. And like we've talked about it before on other podcasts, where I mean, name me a quarterback that's come from that kind of school that's doing that great. You know what I mean? Like that kind of, do- I don't think we've ever seen it that kind of dominant. So I guess it would be hard it's to, so hard to say. To, it's like, they're like four quarterbacks that dominate the NFL. Yeah, that's so, true. But no, like, I, I guess the most successful, all I would small say schools Cam though. Newton. Cam Newton. That's what I would Auburn. say in the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but he was, but that's not a, that's not like a, I mean, it's a powerhouse college uh, football program, but it's not like, Alabama or, you know, even LSU. Bro, it's in the SEC. It's their rivals. It's the same thing as Alabama. They get the same recruiting classes almost. Anyway, I don't know, man. Too far off topic. I mean, yeah. you got the goat that came from Michigan, right? But he still got drafted in the sixth round, so like, yeah. he doesn't apply. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's been great. Uh, USC's put out some great quarterbacks, but you know, you got I Ben mean, Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco and and guys that played in these really small schools with less talent. Uh, Daniel Jones is Bell one of Rivers. them from Duke coming into this draft this year. 
You know, they, they got who, a lot of talent. Who is, the most, who is the most successful USC quarterback? Carson, Carson Palmer. Palmer. From the yeah, he didn't, he didn't Carson play Palmer. Two, yeah, two football games, two playoff games. Yeah. I think he won. They had great quarterbacks, but that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. In the NFL, there's no right path because there's only four amazing quarterbacks at any time. Yeah. Like when you just named all the scenarios, Ben Roethlisberger came from what, Miami of Ohio? Yeah. We should do, we should do that for a pod though next time. It's just write down all the, the 32 starting quarterbacks and what schools they came from. Yeah. And see how like many it. are like the, the top power, uh, out of the power five, you know? I mean, you got Philip Rivers and Russell Wilson from NC State, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. NC State. Yeah. So, well, it's not, you know, small programs. Anyways, guys, now, uh, kind of went off on a tangent there, but, uh, <laughs> Real quick, let's just do a quick rundown of uh, your guys' favorite players at each position uh, going into the draft. Dom, start us off, bud. Uh, we can start off with QB and work our way down. Yeah, yeah. let's go for it. All right, I'm kind of going outside the box on this one because we talked about the other QBs, but I want to give some the Pac-12 a little love. And I, I, my favorite player yeah, in the yeah. draft this year is Jake Browning from Washington. Hell yeah. Uh, you guys know I love a winner, and I think this kid's a winner. <laughs> and uh, I think if he gets in the right scenario, like see him go to Washington in the mid, mid second or third round and compete for a starting job, I think he he can might possibly win it if they bring a you know a veteran in like Chase Keenum and he beats him out. And I think it'd be a great scenario for him working for Gruden. What about you, Steve? I'm going to uh, Kyler Murray. I know he's all the hot buzz right now, but I honestly think. Seeing that Baker did well, you know, I think Kyler Murray has these intangibles that a lot of players don't have, and uh, I'm excited. He's exciting, and maybe I'm just, you know, buying into the hype and whatnot. But uh, that's right now is my favorite player at the position. So I really like, you know, outside of Kyler Murray, I really like Dwayne Haskins. I think he's uh, a franchise type quarterback. I got to see him play in the Rose Bowl against Washington, uh, where I saw Jake Browning not do that great. Uh, so it was really cool to see uh, how Dwayne Haskins really is a general on the field. He really runs the offense. Uh, he's super smooth, and, and he makes tight throws into tight windows. You know, I was lucky enough to sit in pretty good seats where I got a great angle, a great vantage point uh, of his throwing motion, throwing you know, where he was looking at, and every single time he hit the receiver exactly where he needed to hit him, right in stride, in between defenders. So I, I, I think Dwayne Haskins has a really good potential NFL NFL career ahead of him. All right. I'll, uh, I mean, we talked about him so much at the receiver position, but DK Metcalf is a beast. And uh, I hate to compare him I'm to excited. Megatron, but yeah. did you know his dad was drafted? Yep. Uh, he was a D lineman for the Bears, but he was drafted in 2002. Yep. And oh, his uncle. So it, We're getting old, man. I did, the, <laughs> I did the math, though. His dad was drafted in 2002. That was only 17 years ago. So if he was 21... That means DK was like two or three. So he, he getting drafted at 21. He had a two or three year old. Yep. And 20, less than 20 years later, he's getting drafted. How crazy That's is that? That's crazy. And I crazy. can't forget, can't remember uh, who Eric Metcalf is. If it's his uncle, I feel like it's his uncle. No, his uncle. Eric Metcalf is, yeah. is uh, white, isn't he? No, that's a different guy. We'll have to look into that. I know who you're Are talking you talking about. about Metcalf that played for the Giants? No. Um, he, uh, he played for like the Browns and I think it was, uh, the Falcons also. He yeah, just really we'll fast. He was like number 21. <laughs> yeah. He just really yeah. fast. Um, we're gonna, we're so, gonna, yeah, that guy, John, looking into that. So, so, you know, just great, great, uh, pedigree, uh, for this guy. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm all over DK. I was all over DK from the beginning. Um, and, and the combine just kind of proved it, but you know, he was getting a lot of hate from a, a lot of fantasy analysts on Twitter. 
just because he didn't have like great numbers last year. But it's like you're forgetting that he hurt his neck and was out almost like half the season. So his numbers aren't going to be great. But what he put on tape was insane. And yeah, I, I think the great, I, I think the comp is Megatron at this point because he's smooth and he's super tall and he has great leaping ability. And I, I think he's going to fall out. Steve, uh, before you say your guy, um, my dream scenario, and I know Tommy's going to shoot this down, but Raiders draft, you know, a D lineman linebacker with their first overall first round pick. They trade up to get DK to pair him with Antonio Brown that we signed tomorrow. They give up their last first round pick and like a fourth and they have the best receiving duo automatically within 30 days of today. Yeah, I guess that sounds okay. What do you guys think? I mean, (sighs) that's how hype I'm on this kid. (laughs) I I don't know, man. I think he's a boomer bust a little bit. Like I think that everyone's just falling in love with him, and you may get another Kevin White situation where Kevin White didn't do anything with Chicago. And I think he's going to get cut, you know, he's going to let go, but who Kevin White. Yeah. Kevin White. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I, like I know. DK. I just, I, I just think, at tw- I think at 24 and 27, there's still a lot of quality there. Like we talked about, like this receiver class is super deep. Uh, one guy that I'm high on at that later pick is, uh, Kelvin Harmon from NC State. He's super smooth. He's like 6'1, uh, 220, kind of a lot of ways reminds me of like Amari Cooper. Um, and, and he can, he has great hands. And so, uh, he, I think he, I think there's someone like that that's late, you know, that you can get. So I, as much as I love DK, I don't think you need to, uh, to trade up for him, but, but crazier things have happened, you know, and there's, we have so much draft capital and, uh, salary cap space that who knows, you know, who knows what, what John's going to do. He loves the wheel and deal. So I could see it happening, but I, I think we could also just sit there and take the pick and be super happy with who we get. For sure. That's my dream blow it up scenario. <laughs> All right, Steve, I'm who's going your uh, Paris Campbell, kind oh. of a sleeper, uh, six foot, uh, ran a uh, four three one out of Ohio State. He's a four year senior, so and obviously he knows how to run routes really well. Um, and he, I was pretty impressed with them uh, at the combine. So that's my receiver this year. Do you uh, think Dom, he breaks uh, breaks into the first round, or do you think he's like? I think he may break into the first round, maybe late first round. Uh, I mean, with that four three speed, I think I think that's for uh, first round territory. For sure. Yeah. Is he number, cause they have two or three receivers. Was he, uh, number eight? Uh, or like a low remember. number? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm anyway, not sure. Uh, anyways. I don't even know if he's the best uh, wide receiver at Ohio State. That's, yeah, definitely. That's the crazy part. All right. Next one, uh, running back. Uh, I got Josh Jacobs from Alabama. That's my favorite one. I think that's the only guy worth a first round pick. Um, so that's why I'm going with him. Number one showed the best on tape for me, at least. I got um, Bryce Love from Stanford. Uh, just his body of work, man. I hope he gets drafted higher rather than later, just because I think with that body of work, he uh, only gets a you know a really good contract as rookie deal in his second contract, unless he's Frank Gore. Uh, but I love I love his body of work, Tommy. Uh, one guy I really like uh, before the combine uh, was Miles Gaskin from Washington. I think he's gonna be awesome. Uh, I think he my comp to him is Alvin Kamara. Uh, the guy's super great out of the backfield, has great hands, can catch. Uh, but my super sleeper that I want to mention, put it on record, is Wes Hills from Slippery Rock. Uh, this guy was at Delaware, and I think something happened. We got in trouble. We had to transfer to Slippery Rock. I think it's is that a college. Yeah, it's a Jeez. college. It's really weird. I had to look it up. Uh, the guy's awesome. He's like a beast. He's super big. 
uh, but he runs really fast. And I think he's, he didn't get invited to the combine, uh, which I thought was a little bit of a snub, but I think he's going to be really good. My super sleeper shout out to Polly sleepers for super sleepers. <laughs> can you uh, say his name one more time so I can write it down and draft him in the 12th round before you get him? Uh, that'll be Wes Hills. H I L L S from Slippery Rock. Tommy, who do you have for tight end? Uh, my favorite tight end in this draft class is Noah Fant uh, uh, from, from Iowa. Well, I mean, I think it's him or TJ Hawkinson, right? Yeah. Like both the Iowa both, boys. Uh, Iowa boys. Uh, why I like Fant better, uh, because I think Fant is a better pass catcher. I think he's more of yes. a receiving weapon, and I think that will give him more opportunities to shine early on uh, and late. Kind of like, kind of like Ingram a little bit. In a way, first yeah. Came out. And I think that they can. He, he's got a big enough body where they can kind of bulk him up a little bit, and he can right. learn how to block. Because that's what Kelsey's knock was when he was coming out of Cincinnati, was that right. he couldn't block very well. So I but think at the end of the day, that. like, I don't he's know, who cares? Yeah, he's an athlete and he can catch. You can always teach blocking. You um, can't teach speed yeah. and catching ability. No. I'm opposite than you two. I think TJ Hawkinson on the same team is the better tight end. And just, you know, all the writers for the national or the NCAA agree with me because they gave him the award for best tight end this year. Um, but <laughs> we're splitting hairs. They're, they're yeah. both really good tight ends. But I think TJ is already a better blocker and is more NFL ready. So I know we're going to be probably split on this one because uh, there's so many different types of guys, but uh, defensive line, what do you guys think? Tommy said earlier, once Quinnen Williams ran that 40, he became my favorite <laughs> player. He already was my favorite, but I'm going the easy way out, even though I, I mentioned my boy from uh, Clemson, but he Quinnen Williams. What about you, Tommy? Uh, my favorite D lineman, and it's almost unfair to call him a defensive lineman because he's really kind of an outside linebacker, but I think uh, he'll be amazing, and I think the Raiders should pick him at number four, and that's Josh Allen from Kentucky. Ran a four six three forty. Uh, really fast. I mean, not like blazing fast, but it's, it's really good. 20 uh, reps on the bench and uh, a four, two, three, uh, 20 yard shuttle. So that was pretty good too. Um, but I mean, he's, he's the reigning SEC defensive player of the year. I think that's huge. I think that, you know, that's a really good conference for defense, especially defense alignment or, and, and guys that play in the box. So I, I've been high on Josh Allen all year. Like I said, I know he technically is a, as an outside linebacker, but if the Raiders get him, they can he can play something exactly like Khalil Mack, where he's literally playing both positions. It can be a two position pro bowler like Khalil Mack. So I am really high on Josh Allen and I think um you know I think he makes a really good outside linebacker in a three four scheme. Alright, I'm going with uh Montez Sweat. I know I've been talking about the whole podcast, but I was really impressed with the forty yard dash and when I saw that I was like Oh, who is this dude? And I, I'll be honest, I didn't know too much about him. Played at Mississippi State, so I went back and I looked at some highlight videos and stuff. He's a baller, man, and he's 6'6", 260 pounds. You could put a little bit more weight on that frame. Ran a four four one. Um, and you know, the impressive thing to me is check this out. So compared to you know, some important agility drills, we'll agree is like the three cone drill and the twenty yard shuttle, you know. Uh compared to DK Metcalf, he beat him on the three cone drill. He had seven point oh. Uh, DK had 7.38 and the 20 yard shuttle, uh, sweat had 4.29 and DK had a 4.5. So just to give you the, what kind of athlete this dude is yeah, uh, and that kind of, that kind of size, it's crazy, man. He's amazing. He's a little lean, but I think he yes. plays like, 
a lot bigger than his body shows. You know? And I think you can put some weight on that frame. You know, like get him to yeah. 280 or something like that. I think he'll be unstoppable. Kind of like Julius Peppers a little bit to me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of has uh-huh. that feel for me. All right, Tommy, uh, give me your best linebacker. We haven't really talked much about linebackers, but it's a pretty impressive class. My favorite linebacker in this class is uh, Devin White uh, from LSU. I uh, ran a 4-4-2 40-yard dash at the Combine. Um, another uh, stat that impressed me uh, was a 39-and-a-half vertical jump. Um, so, you know, we always talk about a 40-and-vert. It is pretty ridiculous. And um, I, I just think the guy's hands down, I think, the best linebacker in this class. Watch some tape on him. The guy's super fast on the field as well. Um, his his overall size isn't super impressive. Um, you know, he's at six one, uh, six foot, 230, uh, 235. Um, but he's he's a he's a baller. He's a playmaker. That's a new linebacker though, dude. In the yeah, NFL. that's they true. They got to cover. And and I saw the combine live uh, for this for the forty time for the the linebackers. I was so every linebacker like if you didn't run under a four seven, you're like, oh, he's too slow. He's too slow. Yeah. You can't. He's not. He's not an every down ba- linebacker. And that's what the NFL wants right now. I mean, my guy's Devin Bush, and he had a great forty time too from yeah. Michigan. And he plays like a thumper, but he can go side to side. He's athletic. And I think that's just the new NFL with these linebackers. You know, typically teams are just going to play with two linebackers. They got to be able to cover, you know, and I think that's what we're seeing. These new breed of linebackers that are coming in the NFL, they're like six foot, six one, and they all run like a sub four seven, you know. So for me, Devin Bush was, uh, was to me the most impressive. Well, and Devin Bush ain't that big either. You know, he's like five, yeah, 11, no. 235. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's, it's totally shifting. I think, uh, you know, uh, Luke Keekley is really like, you know, creating the mold for the new inside linebacker in the NFL. Uh, I had the same linebacker, so I'm just going to jump uh, Devin White. So I'm, you did a good stats on him. So I'm going to jump into DB. I have his teammate, and I already mentioned the best name in the draft, Greedy Williams <laughs> from LSU. I mean, he's a tall cornerback, too, and he's fast. He ran a 4-3-7, and he's 6-2. I think he's going to be a lockdown corner in a man scheme or even – you know, playing zone. So I think he's going to be the first cornerback off the, off the table. Who do you got, Steve? Um, I got Brian Murphy from, uh, uh, Washington. Um, you know, I, I think Pac 12 corners, you know, they throw the ball out at the Pac 12 and I, he, I like his, um, physicalness and, you know, it's just kind of a ball hawk. I just, I like the way he moved and good hips. So, uh, Brian Murphy for me. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those. Uh, both those guys are super high on my list. I, I like both of, uh, both their tape, both of the stats, you know, they, they played really well in college, had both had really good combines. And I think it's really interesting that this draft uh, is a little bit stronger, uh, in the cornerback position than it is in the safety position. And I think there's some impressive safeties out there. Um, you know, like Deontay Thompson from, from Alabama, um, Nasir Adderley from Delaware. Um, you know, so I, I, I but someone like Greedy Williams, I, I just think that's like a, almost like a once in a generation type cornerback and and i know we had some really good ones come out last year but like uh like mika fitzpatrick and stuff but but yeah greedy's greedy's ridiculous i mean he he plays um she's a shutdown corner he's always covering the number one receiver and uh you know lsu is the new dbu you know so if you want to be a db in the nfl you better be going to lsu and he's the next best the next great one from lsu i will say if i was gm and I'm getting bored in the later rounds. I'd be like, who's the starting strong safety or free safety for Alabama? Don't even care <laughs> yeah. about his name. Whoever it is yeah, this draft. year. Yeah, I'll just yeah. draft that guy. Yeah. You can't go wrong, man. That's how the Bengals do it. All right, guys. That does it for today. 
If you like what you're listening to, please rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe anywhere you download your podcast. Um, during the off-season, off you can keep hitting us up on the pod's Twitter handle, at 2on1ffbpodcast. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at fbsavant7075. And I'm at tmo52 underscore. And I'm at yeastmode24. All right, guys. The next time you'll be hearing from the 2-on-1 crew will be to discuss the winners and the losers of the 2019 NFL Draft. Zip it up and zip it out. Like well, zip you do, Dave. See you later. <laughs> Bad boy good. Bad boy good. Bad boy good.